probably a prayer that happened maybe even at the table of this through through the tremendous discourse of John 14, 15 and 16. All of that discourse ends and then Jesus goes into this really epic prayer first for the disciples, but but also knowing that in just a moment they're going out to the Garden of Gethsemane. They're going to the Mount of Olives. Across the Kidron Valley will be the way that John 18 describes it. Just verses from what we read today. And there will be led by Judas the betrayer. A band of those who will arrest Jesus. And ultimately unravel all of the events of the next few hours. Where he ends up for us. Hanging from a tree. Bleeding out so that we can be made new. And and praise God for all of that. But in the midst of all of that, all of his guys right here are going to run away and abandon him. And and yet the, the beauty of this prayer, as we'll see here, is that Jesus prays, as we saw last week, not only for the 12, but now, interestingly, he now prays. For all those that will be impacted by the testimony of the 12. And despite his followers being few and the cross looming large, his confidence was unshaken as he prayed for all the multitudes, for all of us who had come to believe in his name. Uh, And this prayer, this section of the prayer that we, we now read, should be especially precious to us. Why? Because this is your Jesus praying right for you. And boy, for us, praise God, the Holy Spirit captured this uh, for us to, to hear these words that Jesus wants. And despite the betrayal, despite the abandonment that's going to come at his dearest hour of need, Wow. Uh, He looks to these same disciples all around him with complete confidence to spread his name throughout all creation. And he knows and he's been telling them that the world will hate them because of him, that the world is not predisposed to Jesus. Jesus is antithetical, countercultural, counterintuitive. To all the world around him and continues to be. And he prays in this prayer that something that we'll do will help to lift the veil that blinds the world. Because the ultimate plan of God is that the fall will not stand. That's Jesus's determination. The fall will not stand. He comes In order to reverse the curse, to reverse all that occurred when when we in our human frailty and fleshliness and indulgence decided to absolutely reject all that is godly and want to go our own way. And, and, And through the fall and through the eons that progressed from the fall, God was always bringing about his plan and his plan is about to reach its zenith of hour of fulfillment in Jesus but, but just before he does so, he gives us a little bit of a clue that his plan is going to have it spread through 
these guys and even through us. So let's go ahead and read in John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. So everything that was said in verses 1 through 19 applies also to us, by the way. And even as you have opportunity to go back and reflect, meditate on all of this, go back and and recognize that, wow, all of this is for me too. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also that those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that the world may be brought to complete unity. I'm sorry, so that, that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. There's some deep theological waters going on here with the whole idea of the father and the son and the son and the father and the unity that is there. The love that they share, the love of the father for the son. And likewise, all of that ending up culminating in a oneness amongst ourselves. But that oneness results because we're also kind of subsumed up into this brilliant love affair between a father and a son. And we are invited into that very community. And that community is a perfect community where all are perfectly loved and all are perfectly one. And we're going to look at those two main concepts or the two main things that Jesus talks about here of what it looks like to be perfectly one and to be perfectly loved. Now, on this idea of being perfectly one, that at that time is a high bar. But in today's world, wow, it's an even more astoundingly high bar. Because really, for the most part, as people have voted with their time and attention and activities, people just want to be by themselves. I got my eye this and I that, and I'm one of the worst offenders in, in, in that for sure. But... But all of that, sure, it allows us to have a privatized version of life, but to what end? As a matter of fact, the, uh, one of the big actual uh, articles that they have up there is entitled The Epidemic of Loneliness. Not of diabetes, not of cancer, not of Alzheimer's, the epidemic of loneliness. And on there is is some some astounding stats that 46% of all adults always or sometimes feel lonely. 47% feel left out. 54% believe that no one knows them well. And you think, wow, well, maybe that's not bad. It's still less than half. When these same surveys were taken, 
when I was just coming into adulthood, the, the numbers were half of this. This is an epidemic that is spreading and where, where half, half almost of, of the population is in this place. And, and moreover, uh, researchers at UCLA discovered that social isolation triggers cellular changes. By cellular changes, I don't mean that you switch from Verizon to AT&T. <laughs> that biological cellular changes are affected that have shown, even through this phenomenon, that has resulted in chronic inflammation, heart disease, stroke, metastatic cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes. And at the same time, another study, as the UCLA one was being conducted, that showed that a study following 3.4 million people, that's no small uh, sample, 3.4 million people were followed for seven years. And they found that those that were identified as lonely people had a 26% higher risk of dying. Wow. wow. That, that rose to about a third, 32%, if, if that person also happened to live alone. Uh, anyway, the U.S. Uh, HRSA kind of gave a concluding comment that loneliness is more dangerous than obesity and as damaging to health as 15 cigarettes a day. And then they tried to normalize for social media in this whole affair to, to look at, well, what if they, they don't, what if they have a lot of friends on social media versus few friends? And they found that they actually, it, it made no difference. Whether you're, you're someone with thousands or you're someone with four, uh, that, hey, it, it actually did, did not kind of play into to any of this at all, uh, other than the fact that the social media does actually, as we know, uh, make it a whole lot easier to, to uh, isolate oneself. And in isolated, watching everybody else's carefully hand-curated life go by them where, hey, look, Deb and I had a fight today. Let me post it, right? You don't see those posts that, that occur on, on our feeds. Uh, and, and so they obviously see a, a whitewashed version of, of all of our lives, which doesn't make it. So Jesus here is piercing through this tendency that we all have towards individualism and is calling those, if you're going to be in him, to be absolutely unified one to another. This is a radical call, but he's calling us to exemplify a beautiful unity and why. He gives us the why, and I love the fact that he gives us the why, because that gives the world a chance to respond to the gospel so that the whole world will know that this is a supernatural operation. And I think we have even a greater ability to shock the world, right? Shock the world that people can live together in unity. It's interesting. I think the welcome, you even used that, that Psalm of 133, how good and pleasant it is when, when brothers and sisters live together in unity. Amen. We, we get to be such 
an anomaly to the world around us. And you may be despairing of, oh, it just seems like there's no fear of God in our culture anymore. It feels like there's no respect for the, for, for the word of God any longer. And, and yes, that is true. But we have a secret weapon that is more powerful now than even it was back in the 50s when there was a prevalent fear of the Lord. What is that secret weapon? The absolute distinction of the body of Christ from general community. Amen. That what is brought together by the ransom of Jesus, that he ransomed us from an empty way of life and brought us together in him, what he has done is, is a, a secret weapon that can be deployed to help the world no longer be so blinded. Second Corinthians uh, Four, I believe, says that the, the, the world is so veiled that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And something else needs to assist in that. Guess what? Jesus prays for you're the assist. Amen. You're the difference maker. You're the, 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 the veil remover to the world so that they can see the good news. Now, there are a lot of churches that have an appearance of unity, but that unity may not be very different from just normal kind of social unity, uh, social groups that, that, that naturally occur. Um, it's very easy, by the way, to kind of target a, a demographic or a, 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 an interest that allows you to feel comfortable when you walk into a church. I, I remember as a 20-something, just trying to dabble in church at the time. I lived in Springfield, Illinois. And, and I kind of started going through churches. And, and where I ended up starting to go a bit was a church where I felt like I'll, I'll be socially boosted by being part of this church. And there were a lot of people there that were like me. So I felt comfortable with them. If you walk into our fellowship... Wow, how different that is. I mean, it's like somebody took the deck of cards of demographics and shuffled them and you're what resulted. But praise God that that's the case because that means that it's not just a unity based on something else that could be attributed to some sort of a social factor. You are an anomaly. You're an enigma. You don't make sense. And the only way that you can make sense is you got something that is transcendent and that something is the love of God. It is the work of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit slapping you upside the head and, and helping you to have a completely different worldview by which your worldview then aligns with a whole bunch of other people's worldview. This is Martin Luther King Jr.'s kind of celebration of, of, of his birthday, which is January 15th, but we celebrate it this weekend. And, and of course, his great lament always was the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, and that is so sadly the case. So, so many of the, the Barna surveys of, of, of Christians, attitudes, values and, and lifestyles bear that out one after another. So much so that general Christianity has fallen into amazing disrepute with the general public because even atheists 
were scoring higher on diversity than Christians. When given the, the uh, ability to, when asked if a person of color moved into your neighborhood, would you, because they, they had a, a, a home uh, organization, what a, HMO, no, not HMO, home, HOA, thank you. Um, what does that stand for? Homeowners Association, thank you, we don't have one. We live in something that looks like a trailer park and it does not have an HOA. Let me. You can do anything you want in your front or backyard in our neighborhood, that's for sure. Anyway, but, but, but if there were an HOA, uh, what, if a person of color moved or was planning to move into your neighborhood, would you try to do something to block it? And guess what? All of the most likely to, to, to take action in that list were Christian groups. Well ahead of Jewish and well ahead of atheist, well ahead of all of the other groups. Um, n- number one, I'm, I'm not trying to slam anybody, but number one on that were, were Southern Baptists. Number two were those that re- were um, self-identified as evangelical Christians. Christianity is no longer shocking the world in a good way. It's shocking the world, not because some televangelist is having a scandal in front of many cameras. It's because there are so many surveys that are going on talking about the general membership of churches to to bring that about. Now, praise the Lord that I wandered into a fellowship that deeply disturbed me. I walked into this fellowship in in another city almost 30 years ago. And when I walked in, I thought, you know. I have a high opinion of myself in the flesh. And, you know, I, I thought I was all that. I thought I was an enlightened Northeasterner and I'm in Dallas. And uh, certainly I'm more enlightened than, than, than these hayseeds down here. And, right. And, 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 and I and I walk into this fellowship in Dallas and oh, my all the colors of the rainbow are all around me. And, and I remember standing next to and, and sitting next to. Someone that was Hispanic and, and someone else that was African-American. Uh, there, was, there was also Native American. I got to be careful with all these new phrases I got to use. But anyway, but anyway all, all of these people are all around me. Uh, well, I, I, I'm careful. We don't have to be so careful, by the way, because we completely trust and love one another. That's a side point. But nonetheless, but there and I remember thinking and this shocked me is that. I am uncomfortable right now, but they're all comfortable and they're Texans and I'm from the greatest state in the nation, New Jersey, right? Texas has got nothing on New Jersey in terms of enlightenment, but nonetheless, here I am and I'm the one that is like, oh my goodness, I I can't wait to get out of here. Everybody is so different from, from me and you know what? That that was a phenomenon that I couldn't write off. Yeah. I would I would try to write off churches again and again, and then when I spent more time with those people, mixed bag as they were, and I realized, wow, like they they have great relationships, and they really love one another, and and they don't just kind of claim diversity and enlightenment and tolerance. They actually have different colored people in each other's homes. Like really in their homes. I remember reaching out to people even along 
the Great Neck Corridor, and they would espouse how, how you know, kind of progressive they were. And uh, one, one of my, my sons, who, who was, you know, knew the family well, said, yeah, but when was the last time you ever had an African-American over in your house? Like, seriously. And, and they couldn't answer. And, and they were you know, kind of also espousing what, what great Christians they were. I, I think we've got to appreciate what God put together here is absolute, excuse me, absolutely supernatural and so radically different. And to appreciate that. And, and by the way, in our unity, even one with another, we have a, like, I, I had great friends growing up. I was in a fraternity. I think I've mentioned this before. I was in a fraternity. You were only allowed to be in the fraternity if you lived in the house. So there were only 29 of us. We knew each other super deeply well. But, but, but I would say that within hours of spending time with Maya, I am closer with Maya than I was with any of those guys. And, and yet look at how much younger she is, how much more hair she has, how much more melanin she has, right? I mean, I mean we, we are so different, but, but yet I feel an absolute oneness there that, you know what, I, I, I know that she would have my back, I would have her back, that what we appreciate is so much on the same plane, that we know Jesus, that we love it, we get it, and, and that we are both kind of spirit-filled folks that are going about with the same purpose. Like, th- there's nothing like that. And, and the fact that trying to forge all of that friendship and unity that had occurred in my life through all those experiences that were, most would look at and say, wow, what great friends. Look at all the escapades and hijinks and common experiences that they had one with another and even their successes and even their challenges that it would be eclipsed like that just from from, from hanging out with someone so different from you in the body of Christ. Please do not discount what God has done among us. And boy, oh boy, continue to cultivate that. Are you participating in your Bible talk, in your small group. If you're not, and you're wondering, well, how are we going to reach the world? Well, do community. Yeah. Do Jesus together. Yeah. If, if you're wondering, wow, what? You know, this is the way Jesus works. He gives us all these things that he just prayed for. All of these things are applicable throughout John 14, 15, and 16. The love of the God, the holiness that we have, the mission that we're on, the truth that is ours. The answer to the prayers, all of these things are mentioned in 14, 15, and 16, but Jesus is basically wanting you to know, but this is how I work. I don't give this to you individually. I don't give you this identity just for your own self-esteem. I give this to all y'all. And it may be that if you think you can have holiness, if you think you can have effectiveness, If you think that you can have transcendent spirituality individually, then you don't understand the teaching of our Lord. And that may, in fact, be the very roadblock that has left you idling in your Christianity to the point where you're like, I think I'm just going to put this thing in park, crane my neck out, see what's going on up there. Maybe even get out and walk around and see what it is. 
Well, if you get out and walk around and see what it is, you, 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 might, you might realize that all of this is just waiting for you once you get on the bus of community. Once you, you, you come together and make yourself available to other people. Give yourself away and recognize all that comes to you in Jesus Christ. If you're trying to, trying to hold on to self and do Jesus, well, his very call to you was deny self. Take up your cross and follow me. There's no way to be this revolutionary life changer if you haven't first done step one. Deny self. When, when that goes away, my goodness, all of the, all, all of the uh, um, hindrances fall to the side. My goodness, to do this communally, to be seeking oneness, advice from one another. Pray. If you're having trouble with your prayer life, try praying with somebody else. Jesus, by the way, doesn't teach any of us to pray by ourselves. When they came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He doesn't say, hey, here's here you pray. Our father in heaven, give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins as I forgive. Right. That even just sounds weird out of the lips of Jesus. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Lead us, us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's just the default of Jesus for how all of this comes our way. Let's embrace it. The more that we can embrace community, the more that you come to midweek this week, be part of your small group, find time with one another throughout the week. When all of that continues to happen, Wow, we then begin to fan into flame the very thing that will make the world take notice. And secondly, Jesus, here's this part that that really does kind of make me gasp is in. um, Read with me again, verse 23. I am right after he had said that they may be one as we are one in verse 22. Then he says, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete Unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So the world needs to know that we are one, but the world also needs to know that you are loved. Not just loved, but perfectly loved. And and this, this needs to be the aim of every one of us communally as we make a difference in Hampton Roads. Not that you love God and not that you can describe your love for God. And that, that's important and that's great. But this, that it's obvious to everyone that God loves you. Amen. That's what Jesus has in view here. Is that the world may know that you have loved them. I love that. I love that. That Jesus is really, I think, envisioning all of us as he looks down the the, the pipe of the timeline of life. And and he thinks, wow, as they gush about how they're loved by God, that's going to open up the eyes of the world. That's going to help them to, to appreciate that there's some good news that they need to know about. 
that they are loved. Jesus is, is, is actually speaking of, I mean, this is, this is, you know, think about the, the ground that Moses walked on, burning bush, and God says, this is, this is sacred ground. Take your shoes off right now. Or even of the high priest going into the holy of holies, into the most sacred of all spaces. We're being invited into that by the simple words that Jesus uses, just as. Just as the Father and I are one, holy, sacred, transcendent, spiritual, otherworldly, that we would be the same. Just as you love me and I love you, just as we have that love one for another, let it be that that's the love that they understand is theirs. Your love for them and me and them. I mean, this, this should, if, if we're hearing this prayer of Jesus for you, Jesus is praying this prayer so that you can be in such sacred space, such sacred ground. And that sacred ground is God loving you. It's easy to dismiss and it's easy to kind of kind of use this word in a cavalier manner. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And and leave it at that. No, 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 no. This truth is breathtaking. Christians have been caught up into the love of the father for the son. Caught up into a love that leaves you finally all the things for which you've been thirsting for so many years leaves you. Secure, content, fulfilled, enthralled. When you get this, everything changes. Because the Almighty himself has loved you with the same love he reserves for the Son. When Caleb and Lindsay were a bit younger, I coached their volleyball team up in Williamsburg. And, you know, I, I loved all the kids on the team. But when Caleb's sudden ability to have an overhand serve resulted in ace after ace, my cheers uh, were difficult to make even with the rest of everybody else on the team. When, when, when Lindsay would be able to save a ball and, and hustle extra, that would have otherwise been unreachable and is able to bring it back into play. Yeah, I I probably was excited for other people who did that. But inside, as much as on the outside, I was kind of being like, all right, cheer like you would for any other kid. My heart inside of me was bursting and leaping with excitement. Sure, I, I love all those kids on that team. But man, do I love Caleb and Lindsay. Wow, do I, do I love them. And, and while Caleb is not as, as expressive of this at times, uh, but, but, but Lindsay sometimes is. And not, not, not of her love for me, but, but Lindsay actually does a pretty good job uh, of, of letting other people know how much I love her. There's, a, <laughs> there's, there's one of her classmates nodding enthusiastically. And 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 I and of course I, I do. I mean, 
yes, I, it, it's so easy, right? It's, it, it's just, it's just, my goodness, falling off a rock to love Caleb, to love Lindsay, Chase, Zach. Uh, and it's so easy, but when Lindsay does a good job of just gushing on and on about how much I love her and serve her and think she's just the most astounding person. She goes on about, about, about all of this. It, it, it actually makes that relationship really attractive to the world. Uh, and, you know, when her friends come over, I, I see right away that they're kind of giving me the benefit of the doubt. And they, they actually think pretty highly of me, even though I've not had interactions with them. Like, oh, so this is the dad. Like, like what am I supposed to do? Okay, let me, let me love in front of you right now. No, but, no, but I, I do notice that when, when, when her friends come over. But again, I, I, I know I'm using like a self-serving illustration right now. But appreciate this. When we make God's love for us known in the same way, when we gush about that, that makes the gospel Attractive. When was the last time either of these things occurred? That you purposefully set out to study God's word to the point of gushing of his love for you. Or secondly, having begun to gush, you gushed all over somebody else. Somebody else that needed to know that love. You know, one of our themes this year, not one of our themes, our theme this year uh, is is this grateful and generous, grateful and generous? You'll see this plenty of times, uh, and why? Because it's kind of everything that God does to love us funnels into grateful. Uh, if you're if you're able to, to to read that, I think I'm. I mean, there's so many things that it speaks of here. Uh, James talked about a lot of these on Tuesday night, by the way. But but he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's given us grace upon grace already given. That we are redeemed from an empty way of life. That we have been seated in the heavenly realms. We've been ransomed by the blood of his son. Because of his great love with which he loved us. He made us alive even while we were dead in sin. We have Christ in you. It is the very hope of glory. He has canceled the charge of all legal indebtedness against us, wiping it away and nailing it to the cross. We were marked and sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee for the love that God has for you. We could go on and on with, with, with all of these things, but God makes it clear, super clear, how much he loves us. Why? Because we are, we are compelled by his love because we are convinced of Jesus' death. 2 Corinthians 5.14 tells us that very thing. Here's, here's my encouragement to you. Take some time to study this out with others. This is given to you, not individually, by the way. He loves all y'all. And even that sounds a little too much Texas-like. Texas Let me get kind of more in the, in, in the way that those from the greatest state in the nation would say it. He loves you guys. <laughs> together. Get together. Get together. Riff on this. Be excited. As you find something in, in your own study, share it with some other people. Let this be the mark of, of what takes us all the way through 2020. 
that we are constantly being astounded by God's love for us. I can't wait to share with one another. Hey, who are some people that you know that are out there that need to know this as well? Who can you gush this over with? And by the way, when you are so gushing with this gratitude, the result is generosity. And that's unmistakable to a, to a world. When you give yourself away, living generously, boldly, taking up your cross, living for others, not putting up these boundaries, not kind of surrounding yourself with yourself, but, but get on back to squares. I don't know what that's from. But anyway, it's a song, right? But, but that, 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 that is your life. This is the arc of, of, of your Christianity, constantly being astounded by God's love for you, knowing that you've been invited into the unique love of, a, of, of God Almighty for the Son, the very love that is yours, Jesus in you in, in that entire process. That's who we are. We've got to make a difference, and we've got to make a bigger difference. We've got to love. And, but people need to see it. How are they going to see this love? Well, you've got to invite them into your life. Is there anybody that you know that you could invite to the marriage retreat if you're married? That changed my life. Seeing as, as one who went to the, my, my first marriage retreat in the church with not being a Christian changed everything because I saw oneness and I saw people enthralled by the love of God. My goodness, invite people. If their spouse is not here or the spouse doesn't want to come, invite them anyway. They'll, they'll still have uh, more than plenty. There's many of us, many of us are going because our spouse can't go and is still going, but, but invite them to that. But by the way, if, if you're a, a single, my goodness, do stuff where people see you do stuff, right? Get out of the house. Do everything that you do in, in, in some place where people can see it. Have that contact. Be, let people be amazed that, that this is, is your life. Organize things where we're, we're going out and about. We've got this beautiful secret weapon. We're unified and we're gushing with love. Man, let that go bump into a whole lot of people in, in Hampton Roads and, and see the difference that that really makes. We're a blessed people. We really are. We're a unique people. We're a weird people. We're unique. But we're so weird that the world is going to have to try to figure it out. Because what we have naturally is what the world says that they want. They want diversity. They want love. They don't want loneliness. They want connection. They, they, they want to experience life to the full. And so my, my, my final challenge here is study God's word. And study his love for you until you can't help but gush about it to anyone who will listen. Oh, and parenthetically, go to Bible talk. Go to midweek. Participate whenever you can in community. Strengthen the bonds of, 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 of community. It's vitally important. Not just for you. And if this were just for you, well, yeah, good on you. But this is because this has an effect that spreads to see Jesus's prayer fulfilled that the world may know. Amen.